0: talk this morning um, about, we're talking about Jesus, the greatest. That's what our series is all about. Um, you guys remember a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Tammy Dunahoo came and she shared and she talked about Foursquare. Wasn't she good? She was good, yeah? She talked about the Foursquare denomination we're a part of, which is based on four main principles. They all relate to Jesus and we're going to preach our way through all four of them. Number one, Jesus is our Savior. Number two, we're going to talk about today, Jesus is our Healer. Then we're going to also talk about Jesus is our baptizer with the Holy Spirit. And finally, Jesus is our soon coming king. So everything points to Jesus. That's what's so great about our denomination, about this church, everything that we do, what's painted on our wall right there. It's all Jesus. We know that all of Christianity, all of the Old Testament pointed towards the coming of the Messiah of Jesus. Then Jesus shows up on the scene and we have the gospels and he teaches us all about the Father, and he is the link, he's a way, the truth, and life to get to the Father, eternal life, and he's the one that gave us the Holy Spirit, then all of the New Testament, all to today, is pointing back towards Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. Jesus is the greatest. He is the standard. He's what we're all focusing on. And today, I want to talk about Jesus as our healer, and if you look at your notes, if you take them out, the title of this message today is, Does Jesus Heal Today because we read about all the healing in the Bible, the miracles and everything. But does Jesus still have the power to heal today? Is he still our healer today? I want to open it by telling you guys a story. I went surfing about a week and a half ago with my son. My son's 14 years old, just a surf fiend. He just goes all the time. He just wants to surf. And he wanted to surf this spot um, called Makapu'u Beach. Anybody ever been there? You You know the beach, the bay right across from Sea Life Park? You guys all familiar with that? Yeah, come on, let me just, you know, you're here with me, right? Yeah, oh, we know, Carl. Good. Well, Makapu Beach is um, it's a it's a shore break type wave. So it breaks really quick and shallow. And technically, you're not allowed to surf it. I don't know if you guys know that. Like, during the hours that the lifeguards are there, you're not allowed to board surf it or have any boards that have, like, hard fins or skegs on the bottom of them. It's primarily a body surfing and bodyboarding beach. But when the lifeguards aren't there, game on, right? You can bring whatever you want. They're, they leave at five every day. So we go surfing. So my son hadn't, um, uh, had, hadn't surfed there before. He goes, dad, take me down there. So, and the lifeguards are cool with it. They know like they're out and the guys have fun. So we go down there and we're, and we're surfing. And um, the thing is, I hadn't surfed In a while, I go to the beach a lot, but I go diving, right? And I go shelling, and I got my other things that make me feel good. And once in a while, I'll ride a longboard. But to me, like, no offense if you longboard in here, but that's not the same as surfing to me. I'm just saying because the other week I surfed that flat island, and the waves are, like, this big, and I'm riding, like, a 9.6. And literally, longboarding on that kind of waves, you just stand there. You're just like, oh, I'm on a wave for about, you know, 30 seconds. and then That's not surfing to me, okay? No offense if that's what you do and you longboard. Awesome. That's that's good. It's great exercise. But for me, that's not the same as like high performance, shortboarding and bigger waves and all that. And so paddling out at Makapu was kind of a, a little bit of a stretch for me because I hadn't surfed in a while. And I'm finding like maybe some of you guys have discovered the older you get, the harder it is to like stay in shape, right? Anybody discovered that? Like your body hurts in ways it never used to? And so I paddle out, and I got the shortboard, and so already it's going to be more work, and the waves are just constant coming in, so there's a lot of going under waves and paddling, and I'm like going, oh, man, my muscles are hurting. What's going on, you know? And I look around, and all these little high school kids are just ripping all around me, But, but in my head, I'm going, I can totally surf better than these kids, right? I'm a legend in my own mind. You guys know that, right? I'm like, oh, I'll take these kids, but for whatever reasons, the body isn't working the way that the mind is picturing it, right? So first couple waves... I mean, timing is all off. My balance is all off. I'm like over the falls. And I'm like, what? Underwater. I'm like, really? You know, I'm just like talking to myself like, this isn't me. I know I can surf, but I'm just rusty, right? And I'm out of shape a little bit. And so there's a tendency for me to actually think at that time, like, this isn't what I envisioned surfing. I'm supposed to be having fun. This is supposed to be great. This is terrible. I'm just going to go on the beach and kind of give up. And I'll just watch my son surf the rest of the day. But that's not what I did, right? Because, Overall, I understand that surfing to me means more than just getting the best waves and being in the best shape all of the time. There's going to be times where I paddle out and it's not so fun because I'm all rusty and my body is sore and I'm, I don't get the best waves or, or I'm, I'm not surfing as good as I could. But what I understand is all of the other good stuff about surfing kind of makes up for just the good waves that I get. The fact that I get to be outside in Hawaii, even sometimes in the wintertime with no wetsuit, warm, clear, beautiful water. We live in Hawaii, right? There's not a beach on the island that is ugly, right? So I get to go surfing and I'm thanking God. I get to spend time with my son, doing something we love together. My friends, I'm getting exercise for the old body. There's a lot of stuff that is a benefit. And if I were to give up just because I didn't have everything my way, I would be missing out on so much. And see, when I do get the good waves, it makes up for everything, right? I had a terrible session, but I got two really good waves where all the timing and everything kind of came back to me, and I was just like, wah, wah, right? Right in front of those little high school kids, like, what? See what's up? But then I had to paddle in because the next wave might have been terrible, so that's it. I'm going in on that one. That was a good one, right? And that made up for all of the junk and the, the sore body after and all that stuff, And here's, I was thinking about that when I started thinking about healing. But Jesus is our healer. Now, here's here's the connection. is so many times we believe, as Christians, don't we, that Jesus can heal. He has miraculous power. We've seen it in the Bible. He promised it to us. Jesus is our healer. But when he doesn't heal every single time, there's a tendency for us to kind of go, maybe it's not really real, or maybe, you know what, this is a bummer. I'm just going to pull back on my faith. And the thing is, when we pull back on our faith, because just because we didn't get the healing when we wanted it and how we wanted it, we miss out on all the rest of what Christianity has to offer. And the fact that maybe you didn't get the healing this time, but the next time you prayed, the healing came and it blew your mind and brought glory to God, is that the struggle I have with healing is, I read that God has power, that Jesus can heal, and that we are called to ask for it, but he doesn't heal every single time, what do we do with that? And I, I could have taken the route on this sermon today to just talk about all the goodness and all the times that God does heal, and let's just believe that Jesus is the healer. But I kind of wanted to tackle this with the uncomfortable question of, how come he doesn't heal every time? What does the Bible have to say about that? So we're going to talk about that right now, and we're going we're gonna to get in there. We're going to see, man, if if is healing still available for today? Now, that's a question that I want to start off with. Is healing still possible for today? Let me just tell you this. My answer to you from the stage as a pastor, as a Christian, is first going to be absolutely yes, healing is still available today. Even in scripture. See, there's a place in, in Exodus, in the Old Testament, Exodus 15 26, where God himself is speaking to Moses and he goes, if you be my people, you Hebrews, you Israelites and Moses, if you continue to obey all my, my commands and you live with me in relationship with me, I'm going to do something different. And I'm going to treat you better than the other Egyptians out there in the land that you're in. Here, here's what they have to deal with disease and sickness and all that. But for you, if you love me and we're in relationship here, I will become your, and then he gives this Hebrew term, Jehovah Rapha. And he names himself. And what basically what it means is, I will be the Lord who heals. I will be the Lord who is your healer. That God is actually naming himself. Anybody ever had a nickname in here? Anybody growing up, you ever? I'm not going to ask you to say, just did you have one or not, right? Because some of you guys are like, don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. It brings back dark times, dark times, right? It's bad. Kids are cruel. We've had nicknames. I mean, I can think of a lot of nicknames that we had around here and friends growing up. And I used to be a youth pastor. And kids are the worst. They name each other the worst stuff, right? There's some nicknames. that There's one kid that was, um, he had ADHD, right? Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And all of his kids, his peers, called him Ritalin because that was the drug that he took to calm down, don't bounce off the walls, right? Not, not I didn't call him that, but the kids, kids are cool, right? And they're like, hey, Ritalin. He's like, yep, that's cool. He owned it because I take it every day, no big deal, you know? But there's um there was a youth leader that we had that was older. He was an older man and he was like six foot four. And he was bald. And so all the kids called him Baldzilla because he's like tall and bald. Hey Baldzilla! And it's just super funny to hear, but weird nicknames. But nicknames come from usually something that's an attribute or a characteristic about someone, right? I had a big friend in high school. Big Tony, just real easy. He's big, Big Tony, right? I had another friend in the youth group, Short, Shorty Tim, right? You just get nicknames for different things like this. Here's God, think about this. Here's God advertising to Moses, to his people in the Bible, hey, this is one of the things that I'm known for. There's a lot of things that God's known for, but one of the things is I'm Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals. My very nature is I like to heal my people. I like to bring supernatural healing. So we know that it's available. God calls himself that. Secondly, he's given us his Holy Spirit. If you remember Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, as it God said, Jesus himself said, it's actually better for you if I leave planet Earth. And his, his followers are like, no, what are you talking about? We love you. He goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to go be with the Father. I got to go get the, the place ready for you. I got to go prepare heaven for you. But it's better that I leave because when I'm on Earth, there's only one of me to go around with everybody. But if I leave, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit that's going to live in all of you. So wherever you go on planet Earth, you're going to have power and ability and giftings and, and healing and prophecy and understanding and knowledge and tongues and all of this stuff. Every one of you will have it. So it's better if I leave because then you'll all have this power. So we, we start to understand healing is available. But here's a verse I want to stick with today is that he actually suggested that we do it in his Bible. James actually writes in, in James chapter 5, verse 14 very clearly talking about healing. He says, are any of you sick? He's talking to Christians. Well, you should call for the elders of the church, elders just meaning leaders, those that are more mature in the faith that have a good understanding of of God and his power. Call for the elders of the church to come and pray for you, pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Two things that are important is that he says oil, anointing oil is helpful in healing, right? It's representing the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, oil had physical attributes in Bible days that they didn't have neosporin back then and bactine and whatever it is that we put on wounds now. They put olive oil as a healing agent on people's wounds and stuff. So physically, people knew, oh, that meant healing. But supernaturally, spiritually, the Holy Spirit is always saying they would anoint people with oil on their head before they were set out to be missionaries. They're called to be pastors or for physical healing. So he says, anoint them with oil, And also in the name of the Lord. And you guys got to get this. When we pray in Jesus' name, and he told us to pray in Jesus' name, it's not just a catchphrase. It's not just simply like, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that we say it. But what he's really saying is, in the authority, in the knowledge, in the relationship, in the nature of the Lord, of Jesus, that you're praying. In Jesus' name, representing all who he is, all his authority, all of his power, I'm praying in the name and the reputation of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It's more than just a catchphrase at the end of our prayers, like, in Jesus' name, amen. It's that we're understanding in all of who Jesus is, we are representing that, and we are asking in that power and that authority. So he says, such a prayer, verse 15, offered in faith, faith is a big deal, will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well and you've committed, and if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Now, I want to start with this, just saying, look, we see it in scripture, God says it's his very nature, the Holy Spirit is given to us, healing's still available today, but more than that, because this is what I believe our Christian walk is all about, it's not just about what we read, and the truth that that we read, and we learn about, but it's the actual experience of that truth really coming to life in our own lives, and Just the fact that God tells us to do it, that's good. But I want to tell you this, I got the stage, I got the mic, I can say whatever I want, right? I want to tell you this, is that I believe in healing because I've experienced it, because I've seen it. I've had supernatural healing um, oftentimes in my back when things were just like torn and twisted and I received prayer and it just goes away like that. I've had things go away as far as like migraine headaches and, and colds and flus and a lot of different stuff. I've seen incredible healing. I've seen healing in people that were deaf and that they could hear again. I've had an opportunity to pray over people like that. I've seen um, some, we saw a kid at a youth camp once with a broken wrist. Like, we used to go hard when I was a youth pastor. I used to run the kids hard. Like, if we're going to play, we're going to play hard. And you're going to, if someone doesn't break an arm or throw up, then we weren't playing hard enough. That was like my kind of a deal. Like, for youth camps, praise God, I'm not the youth pastor anymore, right? Now we got the guy with the mustache, Nick, and he's a lot easier. But Lots of fun, but I would push the kids hard and we would go hard. And this kid, one time we came up out of the dog pile and there's a kid screaming at the bottom of it. And I ran over to see what's wrong. And then, kind of like you look and you wish you didn't look, you know, but kind of like, oh, what's wrong? And there's this kid holding his arm and the wrist was like at right angles, like where it shouldn't be. And I'm just like, oh, oh man, why did I look at that, right? The dry heaves come on. You're like, oh. And I remember all the kids just gathered around and go, "We're, we're praying for this guy right here, our brother. And kids just all laid hands. We prayed for him. He's laying there. Paramedics come. Um, paramedic comes over to me. Uh, this classic story, I tell it all the time. But I asked the paramedic, hey, you, you think his wrist is broken? And the guy literally looks at me and he goes, what do you think, bro? I was like, oh. <laughs> so I'll take that as a yes. He goes, look at it. And I'm like, yeah, OK, that's what I thought. goes, So he put in a splint and whatever. And they took him to the hospital. Pastor Tom took him to the hospital three hours, and he, you know, he went home, his parents took him home and everything. He rolls into church on the youth service, like, that later that week or something, Sunday night service, and we're like, hey, how are you doing? We expect, like, full cast and everything, what, four to six weeks, the whole, the usual thing, and he goes, oh, no, actually, um, just an ace bandage, uh, I just sprained it, it's gonna heal in a couple days, and I was like, no, your wrist was broken. Like, are you kidding me? I go, we have, we have pictures of it. Everybody saw it. It's not supposed to bend right there, you know? And he just goes, no, no, I don't, I don't know what happened. Like, that's what I thought too, but the doctor said it was just sprained and, and I'm going to be okay. And I'm just going, oh my gosh, that's the crazy, miraculous, supernatural power of God. I wasn't the only one that saw it. We all saw it. I got literally mocked by the paramedic guy, right? Like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, don't, don't make fun of me. It looks bad. It was bad. But more than that, I've seen all kinds of supernatural healings. Now, I've seen not just the supernatural physical healing, I've seen the spiritual healing. People with strongholds and bondage and honestly, demonic spirits upon them. If you you guys believe in that, it's in the word of God. He heals from that too. You know, I've seen the cases where people's, complete pupils turn black, and they start growling and talking in other voices at you, and scratches start appearing on their arms as you're talking to them, and just crazy stuff. There was a story once of one of our, our missionaries um, from the Bible college I went to, and he went to another country, and he prayed over uh, against the demonic in this little tribe. They were leading people to Jesus, and there was this one guy that was his friend that was really, really short, right? Right? And they prayed over him, and he found Jesus, and they set him free. They cast out some spirits, and the guy that year, he was like 32 years old. In the next few months, he grew eight inches to the height of a normal man. He was like whatever shrunken or, or whatever held back by a, a spiritual disability and an oppression on him. I've seen God deliver people from the demonic, okay? I believe in healing. That's what I'm trying to tell you here today. I believe that he heals physically. I believe that he heals spiritually. I believe that he heals emotionally. Um, some of us have been through some crazy abuse in our past, you know, verbal, physical, whatever. And the only way you can get rid of the bitterness and the hatred and the fear and all of that is I've seen prayer happen for people and suddenly just in that, that length of time of a prayer, they walk away and they're just, they're free of it and that they can actually have love and forgiveness where there was none before. I know that God can set people free from all kinds of stuff. So I wanted to start that off by talking about that because I want to let you guys know and I want to preach from my heart. Jesus absolutely has power to heal. He absolutely has power to heal. He does the miracles. He does the miraculous that only he could do. But here's the question of the hour. Here's what my sermon's really all about. Does it happen every time? And I gotta say the answer is no. I know there's a lot of people that wanna say, no, God's will is that everybody should be healed and they should be healed all the time. I'll tell you this, I've never met anyone or seen anyone in the Christian world ever be 100% in healing. I just I've never seen that have you anybody every single time they pray every every instance that everybody is healed 100%. And so what do we do with this now? Because it's a difficulty. The Bible says we can heal, but that Jesus heals through us and all of that, but we know that it doesn't happen all the time. I wanted to look into scripture because there's actually a few cases in scripture where people weren't healed, right? I believe that Jesus walked this earth and he was fully God, fully man. He had the full measure of the Holy Spirit in him. There was no sin in him. We know that. He never sinned. So he was on a different level and everyone that he prayed for, I believe they got healed. I don't don't believe he prayed for every person that was sick, but everyone that he did pray for, he was 100%. But when I look at that in Scripture, there's nowhere in Scripture that indicates that we will have the power to 100% heal everyone we pray for. It says the power is there and it's available, but it doesn't guarantee anywhere that it's going to happen every single time. So do we still keep holding on to our faith? There was Paul, the Apostle Paul. If anyone was close to God and had the anointing of the Holy Spirit and healing power on him, it was Paul. He healed many people. In fact, it says at certain points that the cloths, Pieces of cloth and clothing that Paul had touched were used then to be taken over and touched other people, and they were healed simply because they touched that cloth. That's a heavy anointing of healing. Paul actually rescued a kid. A kid fell out of a window to his death below. Eutychus was his name. Paul was preaching a long sermon. The kid fell asleep, fell to his death. Paul went down there, and through the power of the Holy Spirit in him, he raised him back to life. So you'd say, man, Paul is an anointed healer. Here's a weird thing. How come Paul has something he calls in 2 Corinthians a thorn in his flesh, a messenger from Satan, given to him by God to torment him? How come he didn't get healed? Wait, I thought healing is for every single time. Paul didn't get healed. There's a couple other places in in the book of Timothy where it talks about a friend of Paul's that he was traveling with, another brother, another Christian. His name was Trophimus. He wasn't healed because Paul says, I had to leave Trophimus in the town of Miletus because he was sick. Well, in my head, I'm thinking, but Paul, why didn't you just pray for him? How come you didn't heal him? How come he wasn't? You must have prayed for him if he was sick. But it says he left him behind because he, was, he stayed sick. There's another case that we, we know this one pretty well is Timothy, who's actually the pastor at the church of Ephesus. He was like a, a, a protege to Paul. Paul was like a spiritual father. And he writes to Timothy and he goes, Timothy, I know you're stu- struggling with stomach problems. And he doesn't say, in Jesus' name, be healed. You know what he tells them? You guys remember? Have a little wine for your stomach every day. In other words, wine back then was medicinal purposes. He said, use physical medicinal purposes, and he didn't pray for healing. in Timothy, this stuff makes me scratch my head. That's why this is like a, a heavy topic. I want to know about healing, and I want to know, is it true that God heals every single time? Or is it that there's times that he doesn't heal, but there's, God is still in control, and he knows what's going on in that thing. So here's what I find when I look in the Bible. We're going to talk about what is necessary for healing because I want to know and I think you want to know as well. What's necessary for healing? Here's one thing that we do see is that it it happens when there's prayer that's offered in faith. We just read that in James 5 when it talked about such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. I believe it does have to do with faith, but hang on for the whole rest of the sermon because I don't believe it's all on faith alone. I believe that faith is a big part of it, that the one who is sick, that you should have the faith to ask, hey, I'm going to believe and ask that you would pray for me so that I can be be well. I believe in that. And that those of us that go and pray for other people, you don't pray with fingers crossed and go, well, I hope this happens. It's just like tossing a penny in a wishing well. Maybe it will, maybe it will. It's that you would go and go, I believe that God can do this thing and I I believe that he's able. Prayer offered in faith. Jesus many times in scripture says this line, your faith has made you well. There's a woman that one time came to him and she goes, man, if I can just get through the crowds and get close enough to touch this guy, Jesus's robe, I believe that I'll be healed without him even saying a word. Sure enough, it happened. Remember the story that she touched his robe? Jesus felt healing power go out of him. He turned around, who touched me? And they're like, there's a million people touching you right now. He goes, no, someone touched me. And he knew the faith that this one had. And and he said, your faith has made you well. See, so Jesus puts emphasis on we have to have faith. He said it to blind men. He said it to the paralytic man's friends that lowered him through the roof. He said it to a crippled beggar. Faith is an issue here in healing. Your faith has made you well. James 4, verses 2 and 3 says this, the reason you don't have what you want is because you don't ask God for it. In other words, do you even have the faith to ask and pray for the healing to happen? Or do you just think, well, maybe God will, maybe he won't, whatever. But God goes, you don't have it because you didn't even ask for it. You've got to have that faith. He says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. In other words, he says, sometimes you can pray and the healing isn't going to happen because you have the wrong heart, you have the wrong motives. Here's a motive of faith that God is looking for. You focus on the giver of the gifts and not the gifts themselves. That you focus on the relationship with God, not just the blessing he can give you, and thereby, what is the pleasure, what is the selfishness I can get out of it? Too many times, us as Christians, it's like, no room for God in our lives, we're happy, we manage our lives, we're all in control. Something happens, and we're like, oh, God, help, I need your help. God answers the prayer, and then we walk away, and we forget all about him again. God goes, you know what, sometimes those are the prayers that aren't going to get answered, because your motives are all wrong. Your heart is all wrong. Does, does that make sense, guys? It's like, that's the faith he's talking about is, um, my son went um, on his birthday last month. He wanted to go skateboarding at Hickam, you know, in the base over there. They got the skate park, and he wanted to go skate the ramps and, and do all of that, and I said, yeah, man, let's, let's go do that, and um, I go, well, I'll pay for it to get you in. We'll get some food. Well, you know, we'll, I'll pay for the whole thing, and then I go, wait, your birthday, you want to go? It's on a Friday night. I go. Oh, I gotta preach in church. I can't do it. So I'll. I'll promise you this. I'll take you out the next day. We'll do birthday party stuff. We'll hang out. Um, you, you're gonna be fine without me. You get to skate. You got your friends there. Your cousin there. You don't need me. He's like, Oh, dad, but I want you to go. I go, dude. I can't do it. I gotta go. I gotta go do church. And then I get a text later on that day from my sister-in-law, and my son's over there hanging out. And he goes, Hey, she says, Hey, Carl, is there any way you can make it tonight? I go, No, I can't. I gotta preach. No, because Isaac is specifically asking that he wants you to be there to watch him skate on the ramps. And so I had a decision to make right there. Called up Pastor Tom, dude, you're covering for me. i got to go be with my kid tonight. And so I, I took off from church because here's what I saw in that, is that my son wasn't focused on just the skateboarding and the gift. He was focused on the giver. He wanted a relationship with me. To understand the motives of his heart was that, yeah, I want to skate, and I want to go have that fun But really, Dad, it's the relationship with you that I'm after. Are you guys hearing me on that? That that's what he's saying is the motives. That's the type of motives that you need to have when you ask in faith. So it does have to do with faith. There's a place in Mark and Matthew in the Gospels where the disciples couldn't cast out an evil spirit from a boy that was was possessed by a spirit. The father came and said, man, there's an evil spirit that's attached to my son, tries to drown him, tries to throw him in fire. And you know what? I asked your disciples to pray it off of him, to heal him, and they couldn't do it. And what does Jesus tell them? He goes, ah, you don't have enough faith, right? Jesus comes, he heals the boy, and they go, how come we couldn't do it, Jesus? And he clearly says, you didn't have enough faith. This type can only leave if you pray and you fast over it. In other words, boost your faith. So now here's what I've learned in scripture so far. Faith is a big issue when it comes to healing, is that God wants to heal people, but we have to do our part of the equation, and we have to have the faith that God is going to do it. However... Now, here's where it gets a little difficult. It's not all about the amount of faith alone because there's a lot of people have the theology is that person didn't get healed simply because you didn't have enough faith. However, Jesus says in the next sentence after he's telling them about not having enough faith, he goes, but really all it takes is the small faith of a mustard seed and that can move mountains into the ocean. So he's going, you need to have faith. But then he says, but you only have to have a little bit of faith. It's an interesting concept that the Bible... Now, the Bible doesn't contradict itself anywhere because it's the true word of God. But there are places where it's difficult for us to understand a little bit. There's, there's difficulties sometimes in the Bible. But I think this, okay, I'm talking about faith is necessary for healing. I think you can't base whether someone gets healed or doesn't get healed on the amount of faith they had alone. That it's not just your belief or your unbelief that gets the job done. Because there's some people that walk around with that theology and that way of thinking so that when you pray and your prayer doesn't get answered, they come in and they go, see, it's your fault. And then you start blaming yourself. I must be unworthy. I must be not a Christian. I must have sin in my life. God must not love me. Oh, and you beat yourselves up if the healing results are up to you Alone, I had friends that left the faith for years because years back they were pregnant and they lost their child and they were Christians and they loved Jesus and they had faith that he could heal. In fact, they prayed and prayed and prayed for their baby to live and their baby passed away. And other Christians that had a weird warped view of faith only gets the results and brings the healing and if the healing doesn't happen, it's because of your faith. They came and they told these people, you know what? Sad your kid died, but it's your fault because you didn't have enough faith. You know what that did to that family? Is it cost them to think, if that's really what it's all about, then I don't think I want to be a part of this Jesus thing. If it all comes down to how much faith I have, and we did love Jesus, and we had faith, and we prayed in faith, and the miracle still didn't happen, and you're telling me it's all our fault, then that's the last we want to hear about Christianity. And they walked away for years and years and years. Praise God, recently they've come back and they got a better, healthy understanding. But if we build a healing theology based on it's all about your faith, then I think we're selling ourselves short and we're missing part of the other equation that's more important. And this is what I want to say. First of all, we just talked about faith is important. Have that relationship with God. That's what he wants from us is having that believing relationship, trusting relationship. However, that's only part of the equation. Here's the other thing that matters more than us having faith, and that's this, God's will. God is a sovereign God. God is a just God. God is always good. We say it, he's good all the time, but we have to believe he really is good all the time. And sometimes you're not going to get the healing. He tells us to pray for the healing. We believe the power is available, but sometimes it's not going to happen. And that's because, here's what I'm getting at, Jesus is the healer, not us. It's not based on our faith alone. It's a fact that Jesus knows better. Our faith helps, but it's not all about us. It's his will, it's his purposes, it's his plans, best plans for us, His his timing, and it's for his glory. There's a couple verses that talk about this. 1 John 5.14 says that God hears the prayers of our heart if we pray and ask, and here's the qualifier, according to his will. It's not all on your will alone. Your will is, I want healing, I want the miracle. And God goes, it takes more than that. It's on my will. Remember Jesus in the garden? goes, I wish I didn't have to suffer. If I have to die, I get it, but I don't want to go through all the suffering I'm about to go through. God, is there any way that you could take this cup of suffering from me? And then he said this, but not my will, your will be done. Do you understand that? Sometimes we want healing, we want it now because that's our will, but the bigger picture is, sometimes God has to to trump us and go, I've got something better in mind, but you're going to have to go through what you're going through right now. And I don't always understand it, but that's what he says. Ephesians 3.20 in the word says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You know what I learned from that one? God is able, but he's not required to heal. He's able to heal, heal absolutely but he's not required to do it just because we said so and we, th- we have enough faith. It's a, it's a partnership thing, but really, he's the one in control. Think about it this way. You ever request time off from your boss? Can I take a day here? Can I get a vacation there? Your boss has absolute power and authority to okay and to grant your request, but he's not required to do it. He's the boss, and he may tell you, no, you can't take that week off because we've got a lot of sales we need to do. You can take the week after that one off. It's the boss's decision not yours and I think that's it sometimes we miss that with God see God's will might be different than ours but it might actually be greater than if he gave you the healing that's hard to listen to but God's will might be different and it might actually say there's something better I have planned than healing you right now or healing this person that you're praying for right now here's how I know that because we got to go back to scripture 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 10 Now, here's the Apostle Paul, full man of God, full of the Holy Spirit, going around preaching and saving people and starting churches and discipling other people. And he goes, man, I'm doing such a good work. But then he says this, so to keep me from becoming proud in all that he was doing, he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh. That means a physical problem. Some commentators think maybe he was possibly blind. Maybe he was crippled in some way. Maybe we don't know what it was, but he was given a thorn in the flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away, but each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now this is heavy, That Paul is actually saying, sometimes it's better that you don't get the healing. Paul said, I asked three times, God, come on, take away this thing that I'm dealing with, this affliction, this this pain, this whatever is happening. We don't know for sure, but God, take it away. And God actually said, you know what? You going through the suffering and not being healed is actually going to work, bring about a greater work in you and bring more glory to my name than if I would have healed you in the first place. Does that make sense, guys? I know it makes sense in my life because I went through a season recently of heartache and hardship and, and spiritual stress and mental stress, things with my wife, things with my, my parents, things with just my calling in life. And man, I went through some crazy hard stuff. It's hard when the people you look to most for support and encouragement have turned their back on you and for whatever reasons there. And I'm not putting blame. It's just a place where I was at and I was devastated. And I asked God, Heal me, God, please. I've honored you my whole life. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good man. I I haven't done anything terrible. I'm not deserving. What's going on? Please heal me. It's got to be your goodwill to heal me because that's what you want. And basically, God kind of went silent, and he kind of said, no, you're going to have to walk this one out, Carl. And what I found in walking through that and now coming out to the other side is there's a greater work that's been done in me and my life and my family than if I would have been instantly healed back in the day. And that, I would have never said that while I was going through the mess, but I'm on the other side now. And there's people that have criticized me that have said, oh, you know what? That's a church pastor call. He shouldn't share about his struggles and his weaknesses. You know, that's, that's not good. A pastor should have faith and you should put this image. I'll tell you, tell you this. I believe I'm more qualified to be a better pastor, to be a better husband, to be a better father because of the suffering I endured when I didn't get the healing. Does that make sense? I'm a better man today. I can preach with confidence. I have more compassion and sympathy on broken and hurting people. And I have more authority to say, sometimes God is working in the suffering and you're not gonna get the healing. And that's not our call anyway. Here's what the Bible calls us to. Believe in the healing, ask for the healing, pray for the healing, because when it comes, it'll blow your mind and God, all glory to God. But if it doesn't come, you trust that God is still sovereign that he's still in control, and that he may actually be up to something that you can't see that's going to produce a lot more fruit and a lot better, better glory for him and his name being spread than if you would have gotten healed that first time that you prayed for that. Amen? It's, it's, hard, it's a hard word to hear, but this is what the Bible tells me. Romans 5, James 1, it says suffering produces character. It produces endurance. It produces hope. It produces spiritual growth. And oftentimes not just in you, but for people around you that are watching. We have these verses in the Bible from Paul that we wouldn't have if Paul would have been healed from the thorn in the flesh. Are you hearing me? The lesson that we learn in holding on to God through suffering that affected me in this last season, that gave me hope in my time, was because the Apostle Paul had to go through that, and he wasn't healed right away. So what what I'm saying is that God's perspective is very different. We need to think about physical healing and, and illness and death in a different way. Number one, it's not only faith, but faith is necessary. Well, the other thing is this: here's what we think is really terrible in life. Oh, someone got sick, someone got hurt, and that's really terrible when that happens. And in fact, if they actually die, that's the absolute worst thing that could happen. Here's God's perspective. Heaven is the greatest thing that could happen to any one of us. Heaven is the goal. And oftentimes when he takes people early and they pass and we're mad and we don't understand because we think it's the worst, God is going, don't you understand? I just rewarded them with the absolute best thing that I could possibly do for them. They're not suffering anymore. They're not struggling anymore. They have eternal new bodies. They're with me face to face. They're rejoicing and they're probably up there going, hurry up and live your life and get up here and join the party. It's awesome. And we're down here grieving. We, we experience loss. I get that. I'm not trying to make light of anybody's tragedy in here because I've lost people that I love too young and I, and I didn't understand it at the time. But these verses give me a little bit of perspective where God is going, it's not actually the worst thing. And sometimes I take people early because there's a good that comes out of that in the midst of all the other people that see and that are a part of that, Carl, you're not going to understand it all until you get to heaven and you can hear my wisdom and my side of it face to face. There's some stuff that we just have to say, I got to let God be God. His perspective is so different. I had a friend that was laying in the hospital bed a few years back, maybe six years back, how long it's been. He's laying in a hospital bed and he's brain dead for a couple days, and what had happened, is he'd been struggling, with mental problems for years, and something snapped in him, and he just wasn't himself, and he was on meds, and he was always getting into trouble, and it was just clear mental problems, always suffering, and he was down in the mental hospital, actually, they, they committed him, and he, choked or suffocated asphyxiated on his food or something one day and they found him laying uh, face down on the floor they thought he was playing and then they were like wait he's turning blue this is bad they, they called the paramedics they took him to the hospital he lost too much oxygen he was brain dead He's lying in the hospital brain dead I went up there everybody was there family pastors praying praying for healing praying for healing praying for healing God we know this person loved you we love you we're asking in faith we have the faith that it takes we believe you can do it please do it god didn't do it and he lay there and the family had a tough choice to make do we let him go home to be with the father or do we keep him on machines like this for the rest of his life and if god's not answering they prayed on it they got a piece about it and they unplugged the machines and they let him go and we're all sad really sad missing him at loss oh god we're gonna miss our friend this is terrible you know all of this and one of my friends who is a new christian And I love new Christians because their faith is so real and so strong and it hasn't been tainted by years of habits and stuff that we do that I sometimes get jaded and I forget how good my God is. I love being around new Christians because they're just on fire and they know the pureness, the goodness of who Jesus is, like a little child, right, like Jesus says. And so my friend reminded me, newer Christian, he goes, why are we all sad? We shouldn't be sad. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes... We should be so jealous and so stoked for our friend right now because we know where he gets to be. And he's not going to be in pain. He's not going to be brain dead. He's not going to be struggling with mental issues. He's going to be home with Jesus face-to-face rejoicing. We should be jealous of where he's going. And it just changed my whole perspective. I went, wow, that's so true. See, the perspective of God is there's going to be times that you pray and you don't get the healing. But God is looking down through different God eyes and vision and knowing there's something good that I can do out of this. And sometimes we get to see it pay off, and sometimes we're not going to get to see the, the payoff until we get to heaven and we understand. That's why that person had to go. That's why I had to suffer through that illness or that sickness. I didn't realize how many lives were being affected and touched for the kingdom because I went through what I went through. Are you guys hearing me today? Now, I know this isn't like a, yeah, this is awesome, but it's, it gives us a little clarity struggling with an issue of healing in the Bible. We do need to have faith, and God wants us to have faith. And there's going to be times the miracle is going to come. Definitely. He has the power. But there's also going to be times when he goes, my will right now is that you kind of go through this because it's going to bring about a better good. Perfect example, last year, my son, seventh grade. One night, I come to him to pray for him, and he's freaking out. He's having like, I don't know, I would say panic attack, anxiety. He's crying, and I'm like, what? I've never seen my son like this. And I'm laying on the bed, and I'm just like... Just like rubbing his back and praying for him. What's going on? What's going on? He's like, dad, I can't do it. It's just too hard. I'm like, what? He goes, can, I just, can you just homeschool me, please? And I'm thinking, every kid wants to be homeschooled, but something big is happening here. I'm like, are you getting like bullied? Is someone picking on you at school? Or are you failing? Or like, what's going on? Goes, no, it's just hard. I don't have any friends. And I can't keep up with my classes. And it's just, it's too hard. It's too much. Can you please just homeschool me? Now, here's what I'm thinking. I'm the dad. That means I have all the authority and the power to take him out of school and to homeschool him. And I'm thinking, if any kid could pull it off, my son could pull it off. He's super disciplined. He doesn't, I never have to tell him to do his homework. He always does it on his own. If I homeschooled him through an online course or me just giving him the curriculum, he could probably pull it off. But the other side of me says, but I don't think it's good for him to run away from his problems. I think it's not as big of a deal as he thinks it is. From my perspective, he's going to get through this, and he's going to be happy he did, and he's going to turn out really good. And so I had to make the call to say, it's breaking my heart right now, son, and I could, I have the power, I'm able to give you this request, but I'm not going to do it because there's something better. You need to go to school tomorrow, I'm going to pray with you, we're going to get through this thing. You know what happened? Sure enough, he went to school, the problem passed, it was a big issue that night, but the problem passed. He ends up getting honor roll every quarter of his 7th grade and 8th grade year. He just finished with like a 3.6 grade average just last week or this past week of school. And you know what? He has friends. He has tons of friends. Whatever was mounting in his mind and that request for, I need healing. I need something. I need help right now. I had to make the call to say, but I know better, and it breaks my heart, but I'm not going to give this to you. This is what I see when we look in the Bible and we, we say healing. Can God heal? He can absolutely heal. He can blow your mind. The praise reports that I get from you guys every week of what God has done to be Jesus the healer is proof alone that he is very capable. And he says we should always ask for healing. We always should have that kind of faith. However, there's that other side of it that just says, but God, you're sovereign. And even if I don't get what I'm requesting right now, I still trust you. You're smarter than me. Your thoughts are higher than mine. You know more what's going on, and I'm going to trust that you have my best interest in mind. Wrestling with all of this the other day, and God gives me this verse, and I'll end with this verse, is this, Proverbs 20, 24. The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? Summarize it for me pretty well. Why do I have to go through this, God? How come you don't answer every time when I pray for healing? And God just says, remember, The Lord directs your steps. Carl, why do you need to understand everything along the way? See, healing isn't all that Christianity is about. Healing is a part of it. If if God doesn't ever answer one of my prayers for healing for the rest of my life, I've still been saved for all of eternity from my own sin and selfishness and from hell. And I still have all the other benefits of the Holy Spirit and his wisdom in my life and his direction in my life and the relationships that he's given me and all the other blessings. If he never answers another prayer, that doesn't, that doesn't keep me from giving up on my God because he's that good. But the point is, continue to ask for prayer because he might do the miraculous. He might do something. Even if he's not, try to understand what he's doing because he's still a good God. Amen? Jesus is our healer. Let's pray. God, we come before you right now and we just thank you for who you are and that you are the healer and we absolutely believe that. We don't shy away from that. We don't want to make light and and just kind of leave it all up to, to you to decide there's things that we can do. And you say that we need to have faith, a real relationship, trust and dependency on you. So Lord, we're going to have that. And we're going to ask believing every single time that you're going to bring a miracle. And that sometimes the miracle might not come right away, but you tell us to keep asking, keep on knocking, keep pressing in keep seeking you and so god we're going to be persevering in our prayers but god there's going to be times whether we understand it or not that you're going to allow us to go through the non-healing and maybe it's suffering and lord we're going to trust you that in those times that you're still bigger that you're still better and that you're going to prove that you are good and that you're just and that you are right and that your plans are better than our plans we're going to hold on to you anyway And Lord, the good that's going to come out of that, sometimes we get to see, sometimes we don't. But God, we love you. We know you're the healer. We trust you for that. But you do what you want to do, and you heal how you want to heal, and when you want to heal, and who you want to heal. God, we just live our lives for you. That's what faith is really all about. If there's anybody in this room right now, as we're continuing to pray, if you're at a point in life where you know you need to make a commitment to God, where you just feel like, man, I... I, I need to know that I'm in relationship with him, that he's got my back, that he forgives me, and that he's capable of healing me and, and helping me in my life. I, I need some help here. If you're at a point in life where you're ready to make a spiritual commitment just to say, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow God, I want to see what he could possibly do in my life, then I would love to pray with you right now that prayer to make that happen. And how we're going to do it is, is you just kind of pray a prayer that I'm going to pray out loud. You pray it in your heart of hearts to God. It's a prayer that's just real simple. It's it's basically one that says, I know I'm far from God. I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I understand that Jesus is the one that came to this earth to die on the cross to pay the price for my sins, my separation from God. That if I believe in him and I receive what he did for me, then I'll be made right with God and be brought back into relationship with him as I continue to follow him all my days. And if that's a prayer that you want to pray, then I want to lead you into that right now so that you can know as you walk out of this room that you are a Christian and that God's got your back and that he loves you and he's got a plan for your life and that he can and will heal you when it's best for you when you ask him. So if you want to pray that with me, everybody's got their eyes closed and heads bowed right now. Before I pray that prayer out loud with you, you quietly to yourself, I want you to let me know that you're praying with me. And I'm just going to count to three and when I count to three, I'm just going to ask if that's a prayer you want to pray, you'd raise your hand and let me know that we're praying together and then we'll go ahead and pray. And God will start on a brand new transformation of your life here this morning. So if you want to pray that prayer, on the count of three, just lift your hand. One, two, three. Is there anybody in this room today that wants to commit to God? Anybody at all as I look around? I see one hand in the back. Thank you, Lord. I see a hand over there. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? I saw two, maybe three right there. Someone, four. Got you. Awesome. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. I saw about four hands today. We're going to go ahead and pray if that was you. I want you just to kind of pray this under your breath in your heart to God. God, I'm here today and I I need you in my life. I need some help, maybe possibly some healing, but Lord, I want to know that that I'm on your team and that you love me and that you got me and that you're in my life and you can do great things for me. So Lord, I believe in everything that we just talked about, that Jesus is the son of God that came to take away our sins and our separation from you. God, I hold on to that. I believe it. I receive it from this moment on. I'm going to live it. And everything that I do as I get a Bible and I start reading it and understand who you are, as I go to church, as I learn to pray, Lord, as I walk this thing out, God, I I understand who you are and I need you and I want you in my life. From this moment on, I live for you. Thank you for meeting me in the cry of my heart right now and allowing me to be your son or your daughter, that you're going to do incredible things in my life and in my eternity. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we praise God for those people right now? Amen. Amen.